Homestyle Green, episode 273. Our homes are getting smart. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. Brad Wills is Director, Strategic Customers and Programs at Schneider Electric. And I caught up with him recently to talk about who Schneider is, their their scope, and uh, all the things, various things that they do across lots of different parts of the electrical industry, and specifically about the advances in new technology emerging in controls, monitoring, and automation of, of homes. And this has really uh, amazing implications, some really exciting opportunities for not just energy efficiency, but also comfort, health and wellness and, and how we operate our homes. So uh, looking forward to getting into this interview. Uh, before we do, a quick shout out to ProClimber for helping support this show. And if you'd like to help support the show, please uh, head on over to homestylegreen.com and you can click on the Patreon button and uh, any donations, much, the, uh, much appreciated just to help with uh, keeping everything live, uh, paying for uh, hosting and subscription, that sort of thing. All right, uh, let's get into the, uh, this week's interview. I started out by asking Brad uh, who Schneider Electric is and just what they cover in their around in their services around the world. Schneider is the world's leading um, company around electrical distribution and control, and by extension of that, you know, energy monitoring management, and it it really crosses all segments. So, residential, commercial industrial, um, and all segments of that commercial data centers, et cetera. And, and we take, um, we take that energy monitoring control solution as well as access control and, and monitoring and combine that all into kind of, if we're in our commercial industrial space, what we call ecostructure, um, to, to bring, uh, to make buildings more flexible, more sustainable, help, help customers save energy, and we're bringing that same philosophy or approach to the residential market, which we feel is ready for that. The the very original Schneider wasn't anything to do with electricity, was it? Um, but but that was quite a long time ago now. <laughs> yes, uh, back in the eighteen hundreds, it was a cannon manufacturer. <laughs> yeah. It was a different uh, world. A different world, yeah, and, and so. The company obviously has evolved over time and and focused on electrical. So, you know, we we provide products, uh, you know, everywhere from the electric utility all the way down to the plug in the house, right? And yeah. Everything in between. Um, I think it's in the in the states alone. I think Schneider basically distributes eighty percent of the electrons used. <laughs> wow. Uh, so it, it's one of those. It's such a um, integrated company in terms of the the areas that you're involved in. I think a lot of people wouldn't be aware of all the stuff that goes on in the background to to bring those electrons moving in the yeah. home, where they might see a logo, but there'll be all this other infrastructure that that you're involved in. Um, and I think the that evolution from early days speaks to the uh, the fact that uh, the, you're able to adapt to w- the f- 
what's going on currently, but also predict you know what's what's likely to be happening in the in the future because. Um, yeah, it seems that Schneider's at the forefront of, of stuff and has has strategically um, devolved from some of the some of those other origins. You know, you know, it has nothing to do with steel or anything any of those original right, right, right. Um, concepts. Yeah, anymore. for sure. Yeah, we um, I think we pride ourselves on that in terms of you know trying to constantly look forward. The company makes a significant. Um, investment in R&D as a percent of its if its overall revenues and um, and does so uh, in order to to make sure we're staying on the edge of what we believe is next sometimes quite frankly we get a little too far over our skis and we invent things uh, well before the market is ready for it and then right yeah know, that's okay and that's a challenge because I guess you've got some engineers who are really excited about that stuff and mm-hmm. and then can't figure out why no one why everyone doesn't want it. Yeah, I mean one one short example of that is you know we invented the first uh, remote controllable residential circuit breaker over 25 years ago, mm-hmm. um, and you know the market wasn't ready for the cost of that, and so. Fortunately, though, we, we took that and have used that product um, called PowerLink uh, in commercial industrial for lighting control, right? And yeah. to automate lighting control and, again, you know, not only simplify operations of commercial spaces, especially retail spaces, but also, you know, it's an energy-saving, energy-management solution that, that's been in place now for 25 years and, I use that because now we're finally kind of coming full circle into the residential space Yeah, where, you know, now, now it makes sense for that technology and there's a lot more need for it. Let's talk about your journey because you've had quite a remarkable um, uh, career and particularly in, in, uh, in these days uh, for, yeah, how many, how many years have you been with Shanida now? Yeah, actually, it was 20, 29 years, three days ago. So wow. twenty nine years and three days. <laughs> and over that time, you've spent a quite a lot in the the residential um, area in in homes. What what have yeah. you seen in that time uh, around the emergence of the the desire for energy efficiency? Yeah, I think you know, uh, twenty nine years ago, it was you know, mostly an afterthought, if at all, right? And now what I see is it's at the forefront of um, home builders are, are thinking of it now and and trying to use that as a way to differentiate. And really the evolution I see with the home builders in the States is they, the first step they took was how do we build a home with materials that are more sustainable so that as the home is built, it's being built more sustainably. But they weren't really thinking about the operation of the home, right? Mm-hmm. And now we see that those same builders are saying, okay, we're continuing to improve around the sustainable sourcing and the materials to build the house, but now how do we make it more operationally sustainable yeah. and therefore lower the the total cost of ownership, right, For, over the many years that someone – may live there. And so, you know, one example of that is I see a lot of the building codes. So for instance, you know, um, 
codes around minimum uh, insulation for a home. That that would have typically been, well, just put in the minimum insulation so we keep the cost of building that home down. Now builders are looking at that and say, well, well wait a second, won't, won't we look at how we can better insulate this home? How do, how do we look at actually using better windows and things of that nature so that we have this tighter envelope um, that will, A, it allow us to downsize the size of equipment required to cool and heat the home, right? At the same time, it will also um, make the cost of operating that home cheaper over time. And what's Schneider's role in, in all of that? Yeah, so so I think, you know, our role here is is, you know, builders are doing this, but it's hard to make it tangible mm-hmm. um, unless you're able to measure it, right? So now with solutions, we've provided to be able to measure not only the total usage of energy, but measure it all the way down to the device level, the appliance level, the HVAC unit, the plug. Um, we can give the, the builder the ability to demonstrate in very tangible ways to a prospective home buyer, here's here's how much it's going to cost to run your house, and here's how each part of of the the home's equipment is going to perform, and what it's going to cost you over time, and and then on top of that, we we are now providing the controls to automate that, right? Yeah. So that uh, a homeowner. I like to say, you know, we we're developing apps that we hope people won't spend a lot of time in, and that yeah, sounds right. odd, right? But, yeah. But but at the end of the day, you know, this is about facility management. Your home is a is your facility, right? And the last thing any homeowner wants to do is become a facility manager of their house. It's boring. That's not what they want to do, right? So our approach to the solutions we're building are, are solutions that not only monitor control, but, but through the app, give you the ability to personalize it to the mm-hmm. way you want to live, right? And based on your particular circumstances and your resources from an energy standpoint and whatnot, and then really kind of set it and forget it. And then let the system over time, when it's unsure of, of what to do, it'll reach out and ask, right? But it's, it's not something that you have to go engage in to enjoy balancing the the comfort of your living with the energy savings of your home. How much of a driver is energy efficiency and, and what, what is it that people really want from their, their home from, from your experience? You've mentioned um, comfort, but I can think of other mm-hmm. things like security, convenience, being able to turn things on and off. Yeah. What is it that people actually want? I think top of that list is they want a lower energy bill, <laughs> right? right? They want to, they want to save money. Number one, and, and certainly, you know, there there is a, a growing group of people who are also though very very committed to sustainability and want to use less. They also want to use more energy from sustainable sources, whether that be solar, you know, hydro, etc. Right, uh, and so giving them the tools to be able to see, uh, for example, in a, in a, one of the things our solution provides a user that has solar is to see how, how often am I net zero, 
right? What percent mm-hmm. of the time am I net zero and I'm off the grid in theory because I'm generating enough uh, from a combination of my solar and maybe some battery storage that I'm using to fill in the gaps, right? So you think that what so energy efficiency is is one of the drivers of um, smart systems, uh, home automation, those sorts of things, yeah. and then resiliency. So resiliency in in the states, uh, and I think elsewhere, but it, in the states is becoming uh, a bigger and bigger issue because um, we have an aging grid. We're putting more on that grid, right, uh, from an electrical standpoint, especially with with uh, the evolution of, of EVs. Um, and so now we have, uh, particularly in California, where they have uh, wildfires, the utilities at times, they actually have to turn power off for large sections of a, a town or city or even part of the state, maybe three, 400,000 people at a time, and turn power off for days, not minutes or hours, but for days at a time because the temperature is at a certain point, uh, there hasn't been enough rain, and the winds are at a certain speed that are, that are um, uh, conditions for forest fires. So or, or it in snows order to prevent those, Texas. they're turning off the power. <laughs> or you get a, a random snow event in Texas. Yeah, yeah. This the storm in Texas was another perfect example of that, and and uh, you know the grid there was close to collapsing yeah. at at a, at a point there, and and, um, and and so that resiliency is, especially in this post COVID era, is even more and more important um, because now we're working from home. You're setting at home. I'm setting at home. If we don't have that resiliency, we're not doing this podcast as part yeah. of our work, right? Yeah. So it, it goes away from not being able to stream my favorite streaming service to not being able to do my job. And, that, and that's obviously uh, of more paramount importance for, for homeowners. So kind of that sustainability and resiliency, I, I see them as, you know, there's some folks that are going to be driven by the sustainability side and appreciate having the resiliency is a secondary benefit and then vice versa. There's going to be a lot of folks, probably folks like where I live, where energy costs are lower, are going to think more about the resiliency side and, but yet still appreciate that sustainability side of it as well. Yeah. Um, how is getting more stuff? Cause you sell, essentially you sell equipment, but also, you know, um, services mm-hmm. around that equipment. Um, so how, how can, getting more stuff into people's homes be more sustainable? Yeah. So, so that, that's a good, a very good question, right? Cause obviously we're manufacturing more physical goods or hardware that's going into a home. And, and, uh, but in order to minimize that Schneider um, is very committed to, to building those solutions as sustainably as possible. And not only, us building them, but we we have reached out uh, and worked with um, nearly a thousand of our suppliers who have committed to uh, net zero initiatives by uh, 2030 as a supply chain. So we're doing as much as we can to um, bring down that carbon footprint and energy usage that's required to uh, to produce those goods. We've integrated, you know, we actually 
one of the things Schneider does is it helps manufacturers produce more sustainably and we we practice what we preach there. So, you know, plants like our load center plant in Lexington have so or have uh, solar integrated into those and I don't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but but we have significantly reduced not only the electrical usage there but also the water usage through other through other uh, systems we put in place there to bring down that carbon footprint, reduce and reduce water resource usage, for example. So that's what we do on the hardware side. And then we think that, you know, by having that, you know, in the U.S., 34% of the CO2 uh, emitted comes from homes. And, and that surprises people sometimes because we often think of it, oh, okay, CO2 that's coming from smokestacks and big commercial facilities. Mm-hmm comes from our, you know, over a third is coming from our homes and even more now as more and more people work from home because we're, you know, one of the things we see that's a, a big impact on the grid and a big impact on people's um, personal energy usage is they used to go to work and they would set back their HVAC systems to save energy. Well, now they're staying at home. They don't have that opportunity, right? Yeah. And so there's yeah. an opportunity cost. So that that's driving consumers to say, hey, I need I need systems that are going to help me be as efficient as possible and better understand at a granular level, where am I really using my energy? Yeah. Um, home automation is obviously a big part of um, the, the um, residential space. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm aware that there's been emergence of different systems and different protocols and stuff. Are we are we seeing a, um, a resolution of that now as a sort of convergence and, and – um, uh, standardization of of platforms and protocols for the home automation. Yeah, I think you know with the with the Matter initiative um, that we're seeing that you know Google, Amazon, and Apple all support Schneider's part of that. That's gonna that's gonna really bring some simplicity to being able to integrate all the disparate parts and pieces of home automation um, more simply mm-hmm. uh, through through those platforms. Um, We'll actually have product that'll be matter compliant by uh, in, in, a subset of product, I should say, uh, matter compliant by uh, probably end of this year, beginning of next year. So it's close. And I think that's going to make it simpler, not only for homeowners from a DIY, DIY standpoint, but also for builders and, and home automation professionals to be able to integrate that more seamlessly and easier for in the, in the new construction market. And uh, just touching on, on homeowners, existing homeowners briefly, because I'm really keen to, um, you know, in some ways, um, if you're building building new, you've got no excuses really. You should just yeah. be doing good stuff. But the, the bigger challenge is uh, integrating not just insulation and ventilation, but also these mm-hmm. types of systems. Yep. Is that easy to do these days? Uh, if, you, if you've got an old house with copper wires everywhere, is it easy to integrate or retrofit? Um, well, smart solutions. We are certainly taking the approach with our solutions to make them as easy to retrofit as possible. So, like for instance, our Wiser Energy solution, that's about a 10 to 15 minute install. Right. In an existing yep. home. Right. And and now you've got not only ability to monitor total usage, but also now you can measure down to a granular level of every device and plug what's going on in your house and really start to understand where that energy usage is. So we're making a concerted effort because yeah, there's, 
okay, one, one and a half or so million homes built per year in the United States, but there's about 150 million existing households uh, in the States that, that need to be addressed. So um, we're more and more, we, we are developing our solutions with that, that retrofitability uh, as a keen value proposition. And you mentioned it, the ability to monitor individual um, usages around the house. And is that, is that not requiring metering every single outlet? Yeah, so what, what we do with the, the Wiser Energy uh, uses a, a unique AI disaggregation technology that is able to actually just through one, one connect or one CTs around the mains is able to basically, if you will, look inside those wires and see the different uh, waveforms and say, oh, there's, oh, I see that an HVAC unit started up or I see right. that a dishwasher started up, right? Then with our smart devices, what we've done with our Wi-Fi and Z-Wave switches, dimmers, outlets, they do everything you would expect a smart device to do. Mm-hmm. But we've also added in the ability for those to meter, right? So at that point, we're, we have this kind of hybrid approach of being able to monitor from the panel, uh, down to uh, individual devices, but we're supplementing that with smart devices that not only also are meters and can more exactly and precisely uh, measure that usage and put it back into the one ecosystem, but it also becomes a control point, right? So that's something you can schedule to be on and off. You might use it like I did in your upstairs rec room to turn the outlet off to the PlayStation yeah. In certain hours in a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, or so when you decide all... the kids have had enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then, in a, you know, to kind of, kind of get to your point of home automation and security and energy management, I really see those three things converging, right? Mm. And I think with initiatives like Matter and and other initiatives, we will see what we look at today as three different things, right? Home automation energy management and security and we'll look those will converge more and more and we'll think of that as the operational system of our home is there is is, is there a concern of people handing over too much control to i mean i imagine if ai might scare a few people and 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 worrying about well who who's got access to that data uh so from a from that data security but also from a talk about resilience and if you've if you've created this amazing automated house and then there is a power cut does that not lock you out of everything uh you know and i think that's where you know what we're what we've looked at uh matthew is like in the design of the energy center it no longer assumes that you're just going to have one source of electricity right? right so that that panel if you will is is built with the idea of I'm going to have power from the grid. I might have solar. I might also have a optional uh, battery where I'm storing. I might also be plugging in my EV. So the idea is yes, to answer your question, if you lose power, you're going to lose some of those systems, but hopefully you've, you've put in a system that brings you more resiliency and you, you have fewer and fewer power outages, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and do people need to be worried about um, AI taking over their home? Uh, um, <laughs> I, you know, 
Yeah, it, it is certainly it's a concern for consumers. Uh, I think I, you know, uh, people need to, I guess, look at the motive of how that data is being used. I can tell you that Schneider takes it very seriously. Um, in fact, like with our wiser energy solution, if you call in uh, for customer support, you are asked each and every time uh, if we have permission to look at your data. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and so we're not, we're not, um, we're not looking at that, at, at that data other than an aggregate across, you know, large groups of customers, but we're yep. not looking at individual customers unless we have their specific, uh, expressed permission each and every time we talk to them. I'm glad you brought up EVs. Obviously, massive change to lots of things. How yeah. is that going to play out for the for individual homeowners, do you think, in the next five to ten years? There are all sorts of implications for, yeah. for EVs, especially as we start talking about two-way charging, right? So, yes. Um, you know, that is that is now with the evolution of the, of the Ford F-150 Lightning pickup truck in the in the U.S., which will have two-way charging capability as well as some others. Can you, know, you that, can you just explain what what that means for people that haven't? Yeah, heard so of that? so instead of it just being an EV that you charge from your home and you drive it, it's it's basically a mobile generator, right? So now instead of having to have a maybe a Tesla wall or some sort of separate battery mounted on your garage wall, you're your car battery is the battery for your house when you need it. Right. And so that's another area where we're working to automate that in such a way that whether it be for resiliency due to a power outage or whether it be for um, arbitraging your power when power rates spike, right. Your EV sitting there, it's plugged in, maybe you're charging it and all of a sudden rates spike up and you stop charging. And in fact, you start using it to, to, to power your home instead to offset and not, not pay those higher rates or yeah. a storm hits. And now the EV just kicks in and, and, and switches over automatically. And again, the value of that is we're designing that in such a way that the use, the homeowner doesn't become the facility manager of the house, right? Yeah. It just, happens right yeah. and then the other the other implication of that along with just electrification of the home right so moving away from natural gas and having a home that is all electric so now the cooktops electric the water heaters electric the dryers electric um the maybe even the oven you know they're the things that might have been using gas are now all electric well now that puts a bigger demand uh, so in new construction, now the builder's got to think about what's the implication of that on the on the infrastructure of the community being developed. But even more importantly, it is a big, big challenge for uh, existing homes because most of the homes uh, in the U.S. at least are sized for like 200 amps. Well, if I if I do what I described um, and and got rid of uh, natural gas, for instance, in my own home, um, I, I would have to go to a 400 amp service, which that in and of itself of upgrading it to the house is expensive, but the utility may not even be, the infrastructure coming to my house, not might not be ready to support that. Right. The, yeah. the very supply lines coming to the house, the transformer, 
so on and so forth. And there's, so there's a huge ripple effect of this that goes back all the way to the utilities. So again, one of the, the, the solutions that we're, that we're bringing uh, to the market over time is the ability to say, okay, instead of crudely dictating what the amperage of a home is by that main breaker, right? Why don't we use intelligent load management and say, look, yeah, I mean, put a 400 amp breaker on it. We're just never going to exceed 200 amps because the system's right. going to say, hey, uh, yeah, I know you want to charge your EV right now, but you're using the electric cooktop and oven and dryer running and, yeah. and one of the HVAC units is running. So we can't do that right now. But as soon as as soon as one of those goes off, it'll just automatically start charging it again. Yeah. Not something the homeowner's running around the house having to manage. It just happens. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that that points back to those advantages um, about not necessarily full-on AI, but just, just smart systems, smart algorithms that are uh, yeah. integrated. And, and, and I hope that people can trust those that – that and and I guess they're when they're invisible and they're working, people don't you know don't even think about them because they're doing yeah. their job in the background and, and and making life better for everyone. Because that system, I guess, is is even better when it's integrating not the demands in your own home, but around your neighbourhood to, exactly. to ensure that the the whole grid doesn't go down because everyone's come home at the same time and has, has started um, cooking and putting the heaters on exactly and all at the same time. It, yeah. And then I think another another thing that will sprout out of this as we go to full 100 percent electrification of, of communities is the idea of community microgrids. Right. Yeah. So communities, communities that are built with. Yes, I have I have solar. I have battery. I, all my neighbors do maybe. And and but we're all interconnected. And so we're going to share that together. Yep. And also we may have in our community, we may have centralized batteries and solar that we share as a community as well yeah. to get us through peak times or to yep. get us through outages. Right. And I think that's going to be uh, something that, well, we're, we're working on, on a couple of projects in that area uh, as we speak. And um I think we'll see more and more of that as we go forward. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it's a, it's exciting from a technology point of view, but also exciting from a society uh, and that, that back to a sort of sense of community of, of, yeah. of figuring that out. And I guess the other thing is that, as you mentioned, people don't want to be facility managers of their own home. They also don't want to be power grid operators and right, um, right. utility uh, um, maintenance yeah. people. So to yeah. have some smart systems that are figuring that out but it's still allowing for community sharing or um, you know, some sort of microgrid uh, organisations and, uh, and for people to have some sense of ownership but not necessarily be required to manage that system, I think yeah. is, is super exciting too. Yeah, and I think that's, that's where the – you know, the experiments uh, that are occurring in some of the projects we're doing, um, that's where it's, you know, between us as, as Schneider and the, the home builder, uh, other manufacturers that are providing other parts of the, the solar, um, and then the utility, right, are able to yeah. work together and start to figure out, okay, technically, yeah, it's easy. It, I won't say it's easy to do, but we know how to do it, right? It's not a it's not rocket science, um, but 
once that's in place, what's the commercial what's the commercial implication, for example, on that utility, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, um, and this has been a this is an issue actually uh, in California with with the mandate of solar is that um, the the fixed cost of a utility is so high that whether they make you know this much power or half that the cost is basically the same. Yeah. And so now if now if we're buying less power from that utility, they still have that same operating cost for generating yeah. half the power or whatever that they were producing before. So now they get half the revenue, but still all the cost or nearly all the cost and and. And so what's the, in the, the um, unintended consequence of that has been, well, if you think about it, who's more likely to be able to afford a home with solar? Well, people who are in a, a higher point in the, in the socioeconomic uh, uh, um, status, and therefore uh, there's pressure on lower income people to pay more for electricity because they don't right. have solar, right? right? So yeah. that, that's a dynamic that utilities are struggling with. So likewise, when they look at these community microgrids, they're like, oh, that's just going to, how's that going to work? That's just more, yeah, you know, but at the same side, they're like, oh, when we're hitting a peak, we'd really like to have that. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You know, when we're trying to shape peak demand, we really want it. But when we're, when we're in a valley and we're trying to actually sell what we got, you know, so it's, it's a challenge. And really, you know, if you think about what a utility really wants is they just want the demand curve to be flat. Uh-huh. And and so, you know, hopefully over time between EVs, microgrids, we can help utilities get to that point of being flat. Maybe they're not selling as much electricity as they used to, but if we can flatten that curve for them, mm. then then the then the costs start to go down and the economics of maintaining that utility make more sense. Well, and they might be managing more electricity as opposed to selling it. Um, exactly you know, being right. charged exactly the, the generation, right. but that it needs someone to coordinate all of that right. um, movement right. of who's generating right. and who's, yeah. so who's they, consuming. So they might be the manager of that microgrid because the, the, that community doesn't have the expertise to do that, right? So they're going to yeah. manage that and yeah. manage the, that. I mean, looking at EPA's got some great stats. I mean, looking at the uh, electricity usage overall per capita, uh, it's definitely going up. Um, yeah. the, the electricity use because gas use is going down and one of the, the primary increases now is summer use sure. uh, in, in the US you know, and, and across the world but summer yeah. usage of electricity is, is going up so yeah. there's people like people like electrons they're pretty convenient they certainly are <laughs> <laughs> alright um, anything anything to, to finish off Brad in terms of uh, where you see the future and, and any uh, exciting things that you'd like to, to mention? No, I, I think, you know, this is going to be an exciting journey as we go forward. I, I think what one, I guess one other thing I would mention, Matthew is out of this, what we also see happening with, with solutions that we're doing is yes, energy monitoring and control, but now the predictive maintenance. Right. right. Yep. So, for example, in my own house, uh, I had a situation where the, our solution was telling me that one of my HVAC units was turning on and off every seven to eight seconds and it was showing up on my app telling me this. And I was like, hmm, would have never known that had yeah. it not popped up on the app, right? That's well, cool. 
I, having been in the space for a while, I was able to deduce a few things and, and, and actually the HVAC guy shows up and I said, I think it's a capacitor about to go bad. And he looked at me like, yeah, okay. How would you know that? Right. And opened up the HVAC unit tested. And he's like, how did you know that? And wow. I showed him that. Right. So it's crude right now. It's not a formal part of the solution, but it's certainly something that, that we see again, it goes back to, if you think about all those electrons flowing through that, that panel is data. And there's so yeah. much we can do with that, that I think we will get to a point where we can tell you because something is running in an abnormal way, Hey, this is probably a sign of X and you should call why, you know, your HVAC or electrical conduit, or better yet, that's actually being monitored for you by yeah. an HVAC contractor or electrical contractor, just like a security system, right? Well, so if, I've got, if, if I've got a smartwatch that tells me that uh, perhaps today should be a rest day, uh, it's not a great leap to, to have uh, an equivalent system on my house that's telling exactly me, hey, right. you might want to check your HV unit. Yeah, exactly right. So Awesome stuff. Yeah, it is. It, it's. Uh, I think we're just at the, you know, the tip of the iceberg here. But it is. Um, it's an exciting time to to think about that load center, energy center becoming a, a connected uh, a solution for the home. It's it's fun stuff. Awesome. Hey, well, thank you very much for your time, Brad. Uh, been a pleasure yeah. to talk. Yeah, thank you. Brad Wills there. He's the Director of Strategic Customers and Programs at Schneider Electric, based in uh, Tennessee in the US. Um, uh, but obviously, a lot of their stuff is global in terms of its uh, products, services, and the technology that's emerging in this space. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh Really keen on your thoughts about that. Email me, Matthew, at homestylegreen.com. Love to, love to hear your thoughts. Um, I think there's a lot of scope for automation and also just more information about what's going on. The concept of disaggregation, being able to find out what's going on all around the home just with one clip uh, is, is really exciting stuff, very clever stuff, uh, but it can be very useful for figuring out what's going on and also alerting us to when things are not behaving perhaps as they should. Uh, we don't have dashboards. We don't tend to have dashboards in our homes as the way we do in our, in our vehicles. And it would make sense to be able to know when things are getting low or things are running faster than they should or we're using too much energy uh, than what we really need to be doing. And also keeping uh, an idea about the the quality of our internal environment as well because often we can put sensors in that are far better at telling us before things get so bad that we ourselves can sense it being bad or, or start suffering the consequences. So things like CO2, even uh, high levels of um, relative humidity uh, or temperature, you know, we can monitor those things far more accurately with sensors and, and being able to have access to that information can be really useful. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, thanks again to ProClimber and other supporters of the show. If you'd like to be one of those as a Patreon, please head over to homestylegreen.com and click on the Patreon button. Any um, donations, contributions, just help keep the show running. Uh, costs a little bit just to uh, pay for hosting and uh, keep it keep it up and running I'd really like to uh, to be able to do that if possible uh, and I've got a few ideas about um, 
uh, maybe changing the format slightly and really focusing in on what's happening in the business, uh, in the building, well, the business of building uh, in this part of the world. Keen on your thoughts, feedback, uh, and ideas about that, you can email me, matthew at homestylegreen.com. Thank you very much for listening in. Now go make a better place to live. <laughs>